When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another podcast episode. Thanks for joining us, the Civil Engineering Academy podcast. I appreciate you being here and listening. Check out our website if you haven't done that already, if you need help on your journey to pass your FDRP exam, but also give us a like and a share. Appreciate you sharing this stuff with friends or neighbors or anyone else in the space of civil engineering. We love sharing this stuff with you. So I'm excited today. We've got a good episode. Seismic stuff It seems to be on the forefront of engineers' minds as we hear more about seismic events in the world. And recently there was a test, they've been doing testing called uh, the Tallwood Shake Test that happened in San Diego. And I wanted to bring my brother Mark on to talk about this test and really hear about the direction of where we are going as an industry in using wood in our building material and, and use for structures and how high we can go. So without further ado, let me bring Mark on. Hey, have you struggled to find time to actually read a book? I know I have. Life is busy, four kids, all of that jazz. It makes it really hard to actually sit down and read a book. So you know what I turned to? I turned to Audible. And we have an affiliate with them. If you go to civilengineeringacademy.com slash audible, that's A-U-D-I-B-L-E, you can jump on and find your favorite titles to go anywhere with you. Use that link. You'll get 30 days for free. You'll also get a couple of credits. And if you're already a Prime member, you'll get two credits, which is good for some premium selection titles that you can actually keep. But go check them out. I really have enjoyed Atomic Habits by James Clear, which gives you an easy and proven way to build good habits and break bad ones. They've got fun ones like Dune that are on there and tons of others. So if you're in the hunt to find time in your day to listen to books, definitely give them a shot. Go to civilengineeringacademy.com slash audible. That's A-U-D-I-B-L-E. And go get a free 30-day trial of Audible. Go check them out. Hey guys, if you haven't already, I want to let you know about our awesome newsletter. If you haven't signed up for the Civil Engineering Academy newsletter, seriously, what's wrong with you? I'm just kidding. Go check it out though. You'll get all the latest episodes that we produce, blog articles, exams, discounts, course material. All this fun stuff is through our newsletter. So if you haven't signed up, go check it out. That's civilengineeringacademy.com slash newsletter. You'll be taken. Go sign up. And uh, you'll start getting our fun newsletters that we send out usually once a week. So go check it out, civilengineeringacademy.com slash newsletter and go sign up. Hey, Isaac. Mark, what is up? Hey, I'm back. You're always bringing me on. It's always a good time, Isaac. (laughs) Yeah, man, you're regular. So this is good. I love it. (laughs) <laughs> well, uh, this is awesome. We kind of connected over another article that we were reading about some seismic testing that was done called the Tallwood Shake Table Test that was performed in San Diego. You see San Diego was running that event and they were able to, I think, build up to a 10-story building. So yeah. I don't know, Mark, do you want to give us a little bit more background as to yeah. the significance so, of this thing? 
Yeah. So uh, UC San Diego's always had this big shake table, right? And so their idea is to build a full-size mock-up of a building and then um, start shaking it, right? Simulating actual seismic events, actual frequencies of uh, seismic events, and then get a real live full-scale test result on how the structure performs. And so what they've uh, typically done with this the shake table is look at buildings that are, are framed with wood, right? So you might think of a typical uh, single family home as kind of the typical structure that's uh, framed with wood. And we typically use uh, dimensional lumber for that. Sometimes we use engineered products, right? Like uh, uh, laminated timbers and those perform very well, but they're always kind of uh, smaller scale things. So they're testing capacity of wood shear walls, right? Which are basically just segments of the wood framing on a wood structure that have a, a type of sheathing, maybe an OSB that's got certain nailing requirements, right? It's got hold downs on the corners that have to perform at a different level. Sometimes those hold downs, we call them in uh, shear wall applications or vernacular, we call them boundary elements, right? Those shear walls have to be tied down. And so they've modeled these smaller scale items that are mostly geared towards uh, single family homes, right? And the design of those things. Well, now with cross laminated timbers or CLTs, which is another engineered product where they basically, they take dimensional lumber and they machine it, right? They join it and glue it all together into different size panels that they can create floor structures. And then they glue it together into big columns where they can create vertical elements and they can build, you know, pretty high structures with the CLT systems. And so traditionally wood structures by the code have been limited to a certain height by the code just because they can't get too high because of uh, the code restricts it's a combustible material, right? Wood is a combustible material. And so they restrict the height of buildings with, that are built of combustible material because they want people to be able to get out of the building in time before the thing collapsed because of a fire, right? And so when you start building structures out of wood that are taller than five, six, seven, you know, eight stories, the fire ratings and the burn rates on your structure start becoming a, an issue. And so, but now with the CLT technology, they're starting to get past the fire problems. And so now they're looking at things structurally and saying, okay, if we do go higher and we build things uh, with CLT, how's it going to perform? That's kind of the impetus behind this tall wood shake table test. Could you touch on the resurgence of tall wooden buildings in modern construction? Like what is the drive here to test stuff and build stuff out of wood? Yeah, so there's a lot of numbers that float around, but it's all about the carbon emissions that come from construction, right? So when we think of big, large scale construction, we're dealing with concrete and we're dealing with steel, right? Those are the big materials. Think of any construction project that exists. That was, hmm. The foundations are concrete, yeah? No matter what the structural elements are up above. And sometimes the entire structure is made out of concrete. Concrete is just, it's huge. It's like besides water. And, you know, if you think of uh, the volume of water that uh, we use as, as humans on the planet, you know, for everyday use, concrete is like the second largest resource that's used by 
humankind, right? <laughs> Next to water. And so it's a huge thing. And then to make concrete, you got to make cement powder, which that process of creating the clinker, right? They call it from the limestone and, and the lime that they have to mine. It requires energy and that energy emits CO2. And, you know, there's the concern that how that affects the climate. And there's different percentages. And steel is even worse, I and imagine. If you compare steel, you know, the embodied carbon is what they like to call it. If you compare steel and concrete on a embodied carbon basis, steel is a lot harder on the CO2 emissions. A pound of steel and a pound of concrete, the pound of steel is going to have way higher carbon emissions or embodied carbon in that product. And so all of that combines to an effort to, okay, we want to get more sustainable in the construction industry. How are we going to do that, right? And so, well, let's use wood. That's a renewable resource, comes from trees. Trees absorb the CO2, right? As they're growing, plants need CO2 to photosynthesis, right? When they create sugars in the photosynthesis process that they go through, they, they absorb CO2. So the thought is, well, if we use more wood in our construction, it's more sustainable way of constructing that things. Makes sense. Yeah. So that's the impetus. Well, let's talk about the importance of this test and the, maybe the science behind the shake table. But I don't know if you know any of the technical details that went into building this type of test. Is this a test that is typically always done for skyscrapers of any magnitude? Why is this one such a special or significant test that they did? Well, shake tables are usually, they're designed for lighter structures, right? They can do tests on littler moment frames, uh, concrete moment frames and steel moment frames and, and smaller things. They can't really do necessarily full scale tests on this table of the heavier type structures, concrete and steel. But for wood structures, it's ideal. When they upgraded this thing, it was originally designed for the, the smaller single family residential type projects, right? Your one and two, maybe three, they could get up to higher stories, but uh, the table was designed for the smaller structures. And so when they decided to go CLT, the upgrades were just to accommodate this bigger structure is basically what it is. And so they had to upgrade the weight capacity, right? So the hydraulics and all the actuators under this table that get it shaking. They had to, the fact that they built it 10 stories tall is probably not never been done before. Yeah, I don't think that had ever been done on a table like this. So just to accommodate the additional weight and put the right hydraulic actuators and stuff under this table, just it required an upgrade. So that's what okay. they did. And do we know anything about the magnitude of the earthquakes that they were throwing at this thing? I remember reading that they have done over 100 seismic events now on this structure and it's still standing, which is pretty amazing. But do you know anything about the magnitude of which they're testing? I imagine they're starting small and going up to a certain... I mean, usually they try to stick within what the code prescribes, right? So there's 43 and 72 year return periods the design basis, right? And so if you translate that into, uh, you know, Richter scale type measurements, which I think is what everybody's mostly familiar with. I mean, you start getting into the 7.0s and the 7.2 kind of magnitude earthquakes that um, they're the big events. They start getting into those ranges and the, it's all measured in acceleration, right? 
It's the accelerations that uh, they're trying to control as they emulate these seismic events. And so they just use those ASC7 design basis for uh, figuring out what the return period is on a certain level of earthquake. And then they emulate that on the shake table. So I guess uh, what's impressed you about this test and the results of it? As you-, you know, the whole thing with wood has been the, the fire resistance uh, over the years. And so it's impressive that with the CLT technology, they've been able to. So Underwriters Laboratory, right? The UL guys, they're the ones that uh, test products for fire resistance. It's impressive that they've been able to come up with um, longer, I think, uh, and, and it's because the wood is a lot denser when they make them into CLTs and it develops a layer of char, they call it, around the perimeter when the CLTs are subject to a, a fire. And um, before it starts compromising the cross-sectional properties of these CLTs, as the fire kind of penetrates the cross-sectional area, the char kind of helps slow that down. And so they're still getting, you know, two hour fire ratings out of some of this stuff, which is impressive. And so that has nothing to do with the shake table, of course, but that's the first thing that's uh, kind of been addressed is this fire issue and Mm. they've gotten past that. So now it's like, okay, well, let's see what this thing will do seismically. If we can design this thing to resist, you know, a significant seismic event. And so What's cool is the lateral systems that they've come up with on these things. So they call them post-tension mass timber rocking walls. Hmm. And they essentially emulate a shear wall in that the wall is still made of CLT, but they post-tension the ends where you would have a boundary element, right? When a building gets shaking back and forth, you have to have these boundary elements that resist compression as the building's on one side and then tension on the other side, right? And then as it shakes the other way, those boundary elements are taking a compression force next on the other side and the tension transfers over. And then all of the shear gets transferred into the uh, into kind of the panel of the shear wall. And so they've been able to emulate that structural action with these post-tension rocking walls. And so instead of like threaded rods, which are typically used in timber construction on uh, lower rise type construction. Instead of these threaded rods, they use post-tensioned cables. They use tendons that they stress after the wall is built with special anchorages on the top and the bottom. And it puts a pre-compression on that wall, but um, they can get uh, the lateral resistance that they need from those shear walls using these post-tension mass rocking walls. They're kind of cool looking. So I think we've discussed a couple issues, I guess, then with tall wooden structures as they're faced in kind of earthquake prone areas. Are there any others that this experiment addresses? Were they able to, I know they mentioned a, a drift percentage, but are there any other unique challenges of a tall wooden structure that yeah. so, this I mean, in any structure that they're trying to design seismically, right? The drift is a big issue. And so drift is limited in the code by importance factors and different things. For instance, like an importance factor uh, is going to be a lot higher for a, a hospital, right? Or a school or an essential structure that needs to be standing after a, a large seismic event. <laughs> and then uh, the importance factors drop off for other type structures. But what they're trying to do is limit the drift with the seismic design. And it's not just for comfort, right? Of the occupants, they're trying to maintain, keep the building within an envelope of uh, deflection 
so that it doesn't impose too much stress on the lateral system and the, I guess the structure as a whole, right? Yeah, if you have less like stress, to keep that 2%. Yes, you're trying to limit to the 2%. And the stuff with the higher importance factors have even less, you know, it's like 1%. And so with the CLT and the shake table, I mean, they modeled all of this in a computer before they actually implemented the test. You know, they were anticipating as much as 3% drift in some cases because, I mean, wood is connected with steel hardware still, right? And all of these elements, they're not continuous. They don't have the luxury of like, like a cast in place concrete type building as you look at the load paths that that type of structure has and it's kind of a monolithic nature to the construction meaning that all the members are continuous even though we make construction joints and we stop you know construction at each level things are continuous across columns across beams that load path has some continuous things to follow as it goes down into the ground and into the foundations with wood construction, it's all connected with steel hardware, right? Mm -hmm. You got knife plates and things have to be bolted up. And then the cross laminated timbers have to be butted together and you've got steel hardware that connects everything. Well, all those joints create a give, right? And so joints can rotate, things can move a lot more. It, it tends to increase the amount of drift that a building would have. And so well, given that, uh, that wood has all these connections, they anticipated a lot more drift than what they ended up with, right? So they were still within that 2% range. So that was kind of a surprising finding that they had was, hey, we're still within the drift limits that the code prescribed. Even though we thought all of these joints and everything were going to move a lot more and things were going to be worse than, than, uh, awesome. than what actually happened. So that was kind of a big deal. That was pretty big finding that they had. How do you see this test and the results of it? The how do you think it might influence building codes or other regulations? Well, I think it's going to make people, the design community, a lot more comfortable with CLT. I mean, quite frankly, a lot of the things that get designed and the reason why the construction industry sticks with the materials that we've used for you know hundreds of years is because there's a level of comfort with those materials, right? There's been, you know, millions of designs that have been generated over the years and they've performed, right? There's always isolated instances where things haven't performed and, and adjustments get made and after studies are made. But in general, there's a level of comfort, right? And so when something changes and a new system is implemented, the design community, not only does that new system have to get essentially codified because that's like the first thing that needs to happen before the design community develops a level of comfort with the uh, system in the first place. And so all of this is going to help things get codified and help the design community, the structural engineering design community to develop a higher level of comfort with this stuff. And that'll translate into more and more designs implementing this system is what's going to happen. That's what I would say is it's just, it's going to be more comfortable for the design. Well, we've talked a lot about the benefits of wood, I think, and how it can improve with uh, sustainability is a big deal here. What are some drawbacks then to using wood? I know you just mentioned experience level with using it in with a material, but other drawbacks that you can think of with using wood? Well, yeah, there's a big one right now. <laughs> it's the cost. <laughs> I have priced a couple of projects where they were designed with traditional 
materials, concrete or steel. In fact, the last one I looked at was a, a parking structure that was, of course, designed with post-tensioned concrete. It was a long span beam and slab type project. And we converted it to an equivalent CLT system. And the CLT was about double the price when I got Oof. all done. Yeah. And so when I presented that to the ownership that I was working with, that was a tough pill to swallow, right? That's just like, wow, we need this facility to service our clients. And I can go with a conventional design, which is half the cost of the CLT design, which may be more sustainable, but as far as construction goes, but <laughs> it's expensive, you know, and it's a tough pill to swallow. Now, is it material this, cost or labor? Yeah, it's the fab cost of the material that, that drives that. And so as CLTs become more and more common and there's more competition in the marketplace for different manufacturers, and there's several manufacturers, most of the expertise in CLT is, I think, still over in Europe. It's starting to get over here more and more. In fact, the manufacturers here are concentrated in the Northwest area. So up in the Washington, Oregon, you know, where there's a substantial timber community up there. And that's where most of these companies are, are originating, at least here in, a, in the United States. But it's still kind of a, a niche, kind of a market, right? There's just not a lot of competition for these guys, and which tends to drive prices down. But it is really a, a specialized material. Some of the stuff that these guys sell is still proprietary. So there's additional costs for some of their connections and stuff that are mm. proprietary to their systems. But as CLTs get more and more common, then those prices will obviously start dropping. And as manufacturing and fabrication and processes improve, get more efficient, it'll get cheaper. But that's the big obstacle with this stuff is it's just, it's expensive. Well, awesome. Well, this has been awesome talking about this whole tall wood shake table test, the future of wood in higher skyscraper type of construction. Is there yeah. anything else you'd want to add about either the test or the direction we're headed with wood. This is more like mid-rise stuff still. I don't think we could get full-on skyscraper yet, but it's cool to see the market responding to a perceived need, right? And What's the highest you think we could go with wood? Well, in Europe, they're getting pretty high. I think in Europe, they're up to 25 stories, I, I want to say. 25? Yeah, in wood. Wow. They're, they're getting up there. You know, we can't go skyscraper levels yet, but I like to see, you know, free market type things take action, right? And so when there's a need in the market, then people are, their ingenuity kicks in and the entrepreneurs that are out there start trying to create a product that fills a need, right? And so there's a need for this stuff. It's getting off the ground and it's just starting out, which is why it's it's so expensive. But it's cool to see people put their research efforts, you know, universities putting their research efforts and then the market reacting to needs that are out there and then trying to come up with solutions. It's kind of cool to see, to witness that, right? The products that we use nowadays that we think are just common, I mean, they had their origins like that as well. I deal with a lot of reinforced concrete projects, right? And so I think back to some of the origins of those days and back, uh, you know, in the early 1900s when reinforced concrete was really getting developed in the systems that they use nowadays. 
fire was the big issue, right? And so it was like, how are we going to create a system that won't burn down? <laughs> well, let's make it all out of concrete. And so that was kind of the impetus out of by which uh, a lot of the stuff that we see nowadays uh, got created. And so we're kind of witnessing a newer system. I mean, wood's not new, but the way they're fabricating this stuff is. It's cool to see that like in its infancy and get yeah. out. That's what I'm saying. Well, we'll give a big shout out to Dr. Shiling Pei, who is an associate professor of civil and environmental engineering at the Colorado School of Mines, who is the principal investigator of running that test. So the Tallwood Shake Table Test. Go look it up if you are further interested in this test. It's called the Tallwood Shake Table Test. Go look that up. I think the journey to learn more about the world of seismic testing and tall wood structures is kind of fascinating. So we definitely wanted to talk about it and learn about um, a little bit more about the direction we're headed with tall wood structures. So Mark, thanks for joining me again on another awesome podcast. Okay. Thanks, man. All right. See ya. Hey, thanks again for listening to the Civil Engineering Academy podcast. Thanks for joining me today. If you want, please leave a review or a comment or a like. They definitely go a long way and share it with a friend because why not? It helps. Hey, if you're interested in becoming a guest, feel free to shoot me an email, Isaac at civilengineeringacademy.com. And if you know anyone or yourself personally, definitely check out our website, civilengineeringacademy.com, where we can help you on your journey to become a professional engineer, whether that's to help you pass your FE or your PE, or just get great career advice. And if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of this podcast and have an amazing outreach to other civil engineers, also shoot me an email and we'll be there to help you. Anyway, thanks for joining me today and we'll see you in the next one. Bye.